So Hare Krishna, good morning everybody. And today's a very special celebration, Gopastami, where Srimati Radharani dresses up as a boy out of love for Krishna, to be with Krishna undetected by her suspicious mother-in-law, Jyotila. And devotees have made a beautiful scene on the altar today, depicting this pastime. We we can talk a little bit about the pastime here um, in class today. So I'm just going to start by chanting uh, Jairata Madhava. Radha Madhava Jayakum Gopi Jana Valaba Jayagi Fadam Adin Jayagi Jaya Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jayakum Jai Nitya Parvishtam Vishnu Pat Astutar Shri Srimad His Divine Grace Esi Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Lakavapara Ki Nantakoti Vaishnavrinda Ki Yaskan Guru Vrinda Ki Shri Shri Radhakalachanji Ki Gopastami Ki Nitagopremanandi All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees all glories, all glories, all glories to lotus feet of Sri Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. You may have noticed there's a number of coward boys walking around the community. And also be careful because Jyotila is looking for Srimati Radharani.
So we'll begin with reading from Srimad Bhagavatam. We're in the first canto, chapter number three. We're beginning with text number 18. And this chapter is entitled, Krishna is the source of all incarnations. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Okay, here's our verse. Chaturdasyam narasingham vibrat daitendram ujitam dadara karajaya Urava Erhakam Katakridyata Go ahead, bro. Chaturdasam Narasingham Vivradatendram ujitam Dadara karajara urrav Erakam katakridyata Chaturdasam narasingham Vibrada tendram urjitam. Tadara karajar urava. Erakam katakridyata. Okay, word for word. Chaturdasham. The fourteenth in the line. Narasingham, the incarnation of the Lord as half man and half lion. Virat, advented. Daitya Indram, the king of the atheists. Urjitam, strongly built. Dadara, Perficated. Karajai. By the nails. Uro. On lap. Erakam. Canes. Katakrit. Carpenter. Yata. Just like. Translation. In the 14th incarnation, the Lord appeared as Nursingha. Embefficated the strong body of the atheist Harani Kashipu with his nails. 
just as a carpenter pierces Cain. Text number 19. In the 15th incarnation, the Lord assumed the form of a dwarf Brahmana, Vamanadev, and visited the arena of sacrifice arranged by Maharaj Bali. Although at heart, he was willing to regain the kingdom of the three planetary systems, he simply asked for a donation of three steps of land. Purport, the Almighty God can bestow upon anyone the kingdom of the universe from a very small beginning. And similarly, he can take away the kingdom of the universe on the plea of begging a piece, a small piece of land. Text 16. In the 16th, I'm sorry, text 20. In the 16th incarnation of Godhead, the Lord as Brigupati annihilated the administrative class, the Kshatriyas, 21 times, being angry with them because of the rebellion against the, the Brahmanas, the intelligent class. Purport, the Kshatriyas, or the administrative class of men, are expected to rule the planet by the direction of the intelligent class of men who give direction to the rulers in terms of the standard shastras or the books of revealed knowledge. The rulers carry on the administration according to that direction. Whenever there is disobedience on the part of the kshatriyas or the administrative class against the orders of the learned and intelligent brahmanas, the administrators are removed by force from the posts and arrangement is made for better administration. Text 21. Thereafter, in the 17th incarnation of Godhead, Sri Vyasadeva appeared in the womb of Satyavati through Parashuramuni. And he divided the one Veda into several branches and sub-branches, seeing that the people in general were less intelligent. Purport. Originally, the Veda is one, but Srila Vyasadeva divided the original Veda into four, namely Sama, Yajur, Rig, and Itarva. And then, again, they were explained in different branches like the Puranas and the Mahabharata. Vedic language and the subject matter are very difficult for ordinary men. They are understood by the highly intelligent and self-realized Brahmanas. But the present age is Kali. I'm sorry, but the present age of Kali is full of ignorant men. Even those who are born by a Brahmana father are in the present age no better than the Sudras or the women. The twice-born men, namely the Brahmanas, Kshatriyas, and Vaishyas, are expected to undergo a cultural purificatory process known as samskaras. But because of the bad influence of the present age, the so-called members of the Brahmana and other high-order families are no longer highly cultured. They are called the Dwija, they are called the Dwija Bandus, or the friends and family members of the twice born. But these Dwija Bandus are classified amongst the Sudras and women. Similarly, um, I'm sorry, Srila Vyasadev divided the Vedas into various branches and sub-branches for the sake of the less intelligent classes, like the Dwija Bandus, Sudras, and women. So here we're hearing about four different incarnations, beginning with Lord Nishringadev. Everyone's familiar with the story that there was a wonderful boy born who was a pure devotee named Perlad. 
he had been instructed in the womb of his mother um, in the ashram of Nardamuni by different Brahmanis who were taking care of his mother, Kayadu, and who were reading to her each day the Srimad Bhagavatam. So by the time the child was born, he was a completely self-realized personality. And as you know the history, because of the death of Harinikashipu's brother, uh, Haranaksha, Haranikashipu vowed that he would kill Lord Vishnu. And consequently, because his son became a great devotee of Lord Vishnu, his father, thank you very much, his father attempted to kill him, kill Prahlad in so many ways, to the point where the Lord himself appeared as a half man, half lion, and he ripped apart Haranikashipu, just like a person may squish a wasp between their fingers. So, um, we're hearing here also about um, the incarnation of Vamanadev, who appeared on um, the request of the demigods, and who came before Lord Bali Maharaj as just a small dwarf Brahmin, and he begged from him three steps of land. And after the king had willingly offered this benediction to him, his spiritual master, Sukracharya, understanding that that wasn't an ordinary Brahmin boy, but was Vishnu himself, the Supreme Lord, he warned him that you cannot give him this benediction, otherwise he'll take everything from you. But Bali Maharaj, because he was the grandson of Prahlad, he was also a great devotee. So he went against the instructions of his spiritual master, who had become disqualified on account of directing Bali not to serve the Lord. And consequently, the dwarf Brahmana grew in size to a gigantic form. And with one step, he stepped over the entire universe. He stepped over the planet and then the entire universe and he kicked a hole with his toe in the top of the universe and from there part of the Karanadakshai ocean began to flow into the universe and became known as the Ganges River. And then he asked Bali, where can I put my third step? I've already stepped over the entire universe. And so Bali surrendered himself and all of his possessions and said, you can step upon my head and accept me for the third step. We're also hearing today about the 16th incarnation of the Lord known as Brigupati or Parshuram. And he annihilated 21 generations of bad administrators, world leaders who had become corrupt and self-centered. And he, even though he was born a Brahmin, he took the position of a Kshatriya to annihilate these, the bad administration and to reestablish a new class of rulers who were religious and spiritually minded. And in the 17th incarnation, we're hearing about Srila Vyasadev, who um, was born to uh, Satya Vati. was known as a fisherman's daughter, but actually she was the daughter of a great king. And... The, it's a mysterious story, um, how the king was sent to the forest at the time when it was planned that he would have a child with his wife. And longing for his wife in the forest, collecting articles for a fire sacrifice that his father was to perform, 
he discharged semen. And then he took the semen in a leaf. Because in those days, these great personalities, their semen carried within it a great lineage of spiritual heritage. And he sent it by a hawk back to his wife. Oh, I'm sorry, by a pigeon. But when the pigeon was flying through the sky, it was attacked by a hawk. And the package, the the leaflet package of semen fell into the river and was eaten by a fish. And so such of a tea, she was born within the fish. And the fish was captured and brought before um, the king. And when the fisherman, when the cook of the king was about to prepare the fish, when he cut open the fish, he found what's inside the fish two children, a male child who was named Matsya and a female child who was named Sachavati. Um, so the king accepted Matsya and he became the next ruling king in the line. Um, he's mentioned in the ninth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. But because Sachavati was born with a fishy order, the king gave the girl to the fisherman to take home. And so he raised this girl. But Parshuram, being a fully self-realized sage, he could see past, present, and future. And on account of that, he understood that such of a tea was not the daughter of a simple fisherman, but was rather the daughter of the emperor of India. And so he approached her and asked her if she would um, have union with him. She was being employed as um, a boat girl. She would row a boat across the Ganges River um, carrying passengers. But such of a tease, she was so shy, and she said, look, I'm just a young girl, and how will I give birth to your child? And also, I haven't asked permission from my parents, nor are we married. So Parshuram, he immediately, with his mystic power, he called a dense fog that surrounded the boat so no one could see. And he promised her that her virginity would not be tarnished in any way, and that the child she would give birth to would be a great sage who would compile the entire Vedic literature. And so, out of respect for the sage, she surrendered to him. And on account of that, he blessed her so that her fishy odor would disappear and that a celestial fragrance would waft about her body for many miles. On account of that, the great sage Srila Vyasadeva was born. And here it's described how he um, explained the entire Vedas and broke it down so that People in this age who are covered by the modes of ignorance and passion could understand this great transcendental literature. Um, today is the celebration of Gopastami and also, what is the other name? No, there's another Gopa name where... So, um, Gopa Ashtami is a festival that's dedicated to Lord Krishna and the cows. It is the coming of age celebration when Krishna's father, Nanda Maharaj, gave Krishna the responsibility for taking care of the cows in Vrindavan. So you remember this pastime. Um, it's mentioned in detail in the Srimad Bhagavatam, 10th canto, as well as in the Krishna book, Srila Prabhupada has given a 
beautiful summary um, reaccount of this particular pastime. But as the tradition holds, even today, young boys in the coward community are engaged in taking care of the calves. And when they reach age, when they come to puberty, then they're allowed to take care of the cows, which are much stronger. In fact, the way the tradition is, is that a boy is matched up with a calf. And each day, he will pick the calf up off the ground, holding its legs around his neck, and stand up. So by the time he's a young man, he can lift a full-grown cow off of the ground. Also, I've seen in Vrindavan myself, uh, the young boys taking care of the calves, herding them um, along the Jamuna. It's very interesting. Their mothers will pack them these uh, freshly stone ground um, whole wheat rotis. They're quite large. And they'll pack some different pickles for them, like a mango pickle or a lemon pickle or something. So they have pickles in the rotis. And then they'll sit along the Jamuna together while the cows are grazing. And it's very something I learned from them, which I thought was very intelligent. They dig a small hole in the sand next to the Jamuna, and the water naturally filters through the sand and fills the hole. And by doing that, they can drink the pure water filtered by the sand. Because actually water, it only remains pure when it's flowing. I was talking to um, His Grace, Dr. Day. Dr. Day is a relative of Srila Prabhupada, right? Prabhupada's father's name was Gormohan Day. And he was the senior toxicologist for um, American Medical Association's um, health lab. And he would design water filtration systems, just like the water we're drinking right here in our homes comes from White Rock Lake. And it runs through a water filtration system that was built by Dr. Day. But he's also um, received a Nobel Prize for um, designing a filter that removes arsenic from water. In fact, he had to put that system on the Mayapur temple. Um, I was asking him about it. Anyway, without going too far into um, his profession, he was a wonderful devotee. He passed away recently. His wife is our god sister, um, a disciple of His Holiness Tamal Krishna Goswami. And um, her name is Krishna Bhakti. They were both research scientists and doctors. And um, so, um, you know, this particular celebration of taking care of the cows. So this festival of Gopastami, it's celebrated on the eighth day of Kartik. Um, And uh, during this period... According to the Vedic calendar, it falls in October and November. The festival is dedicated to worship and offers prayers to the cows, as well as, um, which is a known fact that the Hindu community believes um, in the cows as sacred. Um, We know this from Prabhupada's books that there are uh, seven natural mothers in human society. Right? Do you guys know what they are? <laughs> well, first of all, we have a regular mother, right? That's given birth to us, that's raised us and taken care of us, right? So she is one. 
Now, in the Vedic culture, chastity, both amongst men and women, is considered sacred and an act of sacrifice for the Supreme Lord's pleasure to raise children for God's service. And the, um, so then, uh, so many distractions. So then what happened is, um, so we have also a midwife. The, 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 because in the Vedic culture, men will, unless it's some emergency, a man will not deliver a baby because of the intimacy of, of dealing with the woman during childbirth. So the women who deliver the child are considered to be a natural mother because they bring us into this world. The third is the queen, or in our case, like with the president, the first lady who helps the king or the executive administrator of our countries to help oversee the education, the road system, and the basic you know, sustenance and well-being of the community, of, of the population. So she's considered to be our third mother. The fourth mother is our teacher in school, generally women, sometimes men, so you could consider the man a father, but the teacher who educates us in school and helps us to understand our profession and what to do, how to communicate and how to behave, you know, basic life skills, you see. And then you have um, a nurse who takes care of us when she's sick. That would be our the fifth natural mother, right? So she nurses us. She looks after us when we're ill. And what would be the sixth? You've already mentioned seventh. Can you guess if it's the sixth mother? What? What? Mother Earth, exactly. So Mother Earth, she's providing for us, you know, a place to reside, everything we need, our sustenance, you see. The food that we're eating, it's not coming, you know, from a Dell computer. It's coming from the Earth, you see. And and so many other benefits come on account of the Earth, right? Just like the gravity of the Earth is holding us here. Otherwise, we'd be flying off the planet. And then we have the seventh is the cow. So the cow is considered to be a mother for two basic reasons. One, she's an example of selfless love. She only eats grass. She doesn't take anything from anyone, and yet she supplies so much nutrition and sustenance to human society in the form of milk, cream, yogurt, cheese, butter, whey. So many wonderful products and foodstuffs are made with milk or a combination of milk. In fact, what I find, if you don't have milk in your food, it doesn't even taste good. Butter is like where it's at. I know there's a big controversy about this with the vegan community and the devotees, but the fact remains the same, that um, there is a natural arrangement for human society to take cow's milk, that if you take a baby calf and you leave it with the cow, the, um, the calf will um, cannot consume all of the milk that the mother cow produces. 
So that excess milk is meant for human society. And it's mentioned clearly in the Vedic literature. And um, cow's milk is so beneficial that by drinking cow's milk, we develop very fine brain tissue by which we can distinguish between matter and spirit. If we're, In fact, an infant, a child, a newborn child, for the first three years of its life can be sustained completely by milk. In fact, some sages in the past, some sages in the past have lived also by milk, just by drinking milk. Everything, all the nutrition that's required in, for human sustenance is um, available in milk. So the real question is not whether or not human beings benefit from drinking milk or that milk is good or healthy, but the real question is how are the cows being treated? Vedic culture recommends that the cows be taken care of just like a mother. Never slaughtered. Never abused in any way. In fact, in Vedic culture, it's recommended that a a family, um, when they prepare their meals, after their meal's been offered to the Lord, the first japati should be offered to a cow before even the Brahmanites. And also, um, the cow is considered our mother because um, she's an example of selfless love. She only takes grass from everyone, and also she maintains us through her milk. Also, the cow manure and so many other byproducts of a cow, the cow's urine can be used for medicine, the cow manure as a fertilizer or as a fuel. There's a wonderful project that's being done by the one of the devotees. Um, his name's Ashtotara Prabhu. His mother was quite well known. Her name is Hari Krishna Dasi. She used to write the article on Varnashram for Back to Godhead magazine for many years. She's a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. So she trained her son up in sustainability, and he did a master's degree in sustainability, and he posted his thesis. And um, using the Vedic model of um, organic agriculture, um, which doesn't deforest, Vedic society did not chop down trees to make corn, to make fields for farming. They grow their crops within the forest bed because the forest floor. The soil within the forest is more fertile than any other soil because of the mass amount of foliage that um, is composted naturally within a forest. And also plants in general, especially um, vegetables, many of them, they require only part partial sunlight. So by putting flower beds or, or um, vegetable beds within, a, um, within the perimeter of a forest, they could... Um, grow very naturally with a tremendous amount of nutritional benefit, you know, nutritional content. And also, um, the forest acts as a natural um, agriculture, uh, 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 irrigation system. Because just from normal rainfall, the bed of a forest stays moist. Because the forest offers enough cover, enough of an umbrella over the ground that the ground never dries out. You can notice if you go into a forest and you dig into the ground, the ground's always moist. 
And also there was no necessity for um, insecticides and pesticides because by maintaining a forest, the natural um, offspring of birds and insects automatically um, balance themselves. So yeah, on a farm, maybe some deer will come and eat a little bit of your spinach or something like that, but never enough to harm the production. See, that's confirmed by the phone. Also, um, so Ashtotarapabu, he posted his um, master's degree online and the government of the Congo, um, the prime minister of the Congo happens to be a devotee's grandmother's sister. I don't know what you call her, a great aunt? Grandmother's sister would be a great aunt, right? Grandmother, great aunt, right? So um, she was so moved by this thesis that she offered him a 14,000-acre piece of land on the virgin Rizizi River Valley of the Congo. Um, during that time, which was about seven years ago now, that entire area had the highest disease rate it had the highest uh, infant fatality rate because of the um, severe poverty in that area. Previously, the British had run um, cotton mills there where they would weave clothing. And um, But when they stopped those mills, when they shut that down, these local villagers, they had nowhere to sell the cotton. Anyway, without getting into too many of the details, the point that I want to make is Ashotar went there um, on the request and the, the donation of this land, and he started a Vedic model of sustainability amongst the local villagers who were technically not devotees. And you can see it online. It's called Working Villages International. And it's been so successful. You see, people are living better than we are living here. They have beautiful homes that they've built. They have beautiful gardens and farms. And Ashtar was able to build an entire factory that hulls uh, wheat and rice. And so all the farms in the entire area bring all their wheat and their rice, their wheat to be ground and the rice to be hulled. And it's such a successful pro- project. It, it has not um, uh, been given any donations except for the land. It's totally self-sustained, this entire project. And now he's going on to his eighth year, and um, he's received international recognition for this. And in in his thesis, what he showed was 5,000 farmers. Uh, That's Jyotila looking at Radha and Krishna, seeing if Radharani's with Krishna. Jyotila, Radharani's um, husband, so-called husband's mother, her mother-in-law. That's Jyotila looking out the window of her house, seeing if Radha and Krishna are together. Yeah, that's what they did. Look out, tower. Rani could see. Yeah. No, today's the day that Radharani dresses up as a boy to be with Krishna so she won't get caught by Jyotila. Anyway, if you get a chance, check out this website. It's uh, Working Villages International. It's a beautiful project. 
And um, not only now has he got the 14,000 acres, but Liberia has offered him an tract of land, 800 square mile tract of land to expand this project. So all based on this Vedic system of taking care of cows and relying on the natural arrangements of the Lord. So I want to read now about the pastime of Radha and Krishna. And um, let's see if I can find it here. Here. See what this is here. Oh, it's in it's in Hindi. So I'm, everything that's coming up is uh, is Gopashtami. Um, what's the other name? How do you spell it, you guys? So how do you spell each one of them? Oh, can you find it for me? Can you find that? Would you pull that up for me? Let's read that. Because every time I go to that, it just uh, throws me back over to Gopa asking me about um, taking care of the cows and worshiping the cows. Here's what's written here by the Pune temple. It says, on this day, Lord Krishna became a qualified coward boy. Before this day, he was a keeper of calves. And then it says, thus, Sri Krishna, along with his elder brother Balaram, passed their childhood age, known as Kumar, and stepped into the age of Pagonda from the sixth year up to the tenth. At that time, all the coward men conferred and agreed to give those boys who had passed their fifth year charge of the cows pasturing in the pasturing grounds. So the, the, all the boys that passed that you know stage in life, they were allowed to now take care of cows instead of calves. Krishna and Balaram transversed Vrindavan, purifying the land with their beautiful lotus footprints. It stated in the Kartika, Mahatmya, um, section of the Padma Purana, the eighth lunar day of the bright fortnight of the month of Kartika is known by authorities as Gobashtami. From that day, Lord Vasudev served as a cowherd boy, whereas previously he had tended the calves. The word padai indicates that Lord Krishna blessed the earth by walking on her surface with his lotus feet. The Lord, the Lord wore no shoes or other footgear, but walked barefoot in the forest, giving great anxiety to the girls of Vrindavan, who feared that his soft lotus feet would be injured by stones and thorns. Krishna said at that time that the cows are worshipped even by the demigods, and he practically demonstrated how to protect the cows. At least people who are in Krishna consciousness should follow in his footsteps and give all protection to the cows. Cows are worshipped not only by the demigods, but Krishna himself worshipped the cows on several occasions, especially on these days of Gopashtami and Govardhan Puja. Did you find anything about Krishna together with Radharani, you know, Radharani dressing as a boy? Uh-huh.
Okay. Um, uh, what, the moon tower? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shumati Radharani dresses as a boy. Let's see. Yeah, you know the story when you tell it real quick? Do you know the story? Huh? No, that's okay. Here, here's one on Pinterest. Let me see what this is. Here, Srimati Rani, Srimati Radharani dressed as a coward boy, and it says the same thing, Gopa Ashtami. Another appearance of Radhakund. Srimati Radharani dressed as a coward boy. Krishna once dressed himself exactly as Radharani. Huh. Let's see if, I, if this pops up anything. I think I need you to tell it. Yeah, this is just giving like just very, very basic stuff. It's not explaining the story at all. Would you tell the story? The Pujaris are listening. Come on. Thank you. So, uh, the one which I had read a couple of days back, it's, it, it goes like this, that uh, Krishna was at the Radha Kund and he, he was in separation of Srimati Radharani. He really wanted to see Radharani. Uh-huh. And then he asked Subala, can you please, and it was like a daytime. Uh-huh. And uh, usually Radharani doesn't come out at that time to be with Krishna. So, he asked Krishna Subala that can you somehow, you know, ask Radharani to come here. I really want to see her today. So then Subala said, okay, I'll try. So meanwhile, what happens? Um, Radharani had made a very beautiful garland for Krishna, and uh, she gives it to Vrinda Devi to give it to Krishna because she cannot personally hand it over to Krishna. So then Vrinda Devi, while on her way, she finds Subala. And then Subala, she says, oh, Subala is very dear friend of Krishna, so, you know, he can give garland to Krishna. Krishna will be more pleased if Subala gives it to him. So then uh, uh, Vrinda Devi gives garland made by Radharani to Subala, and Subala goes to Krishna, and uh, he then gives the garland and says that who made it for him. And then that's when Krishna becomes very, you know, he, he wants to really see Radharani. And then he says to Subala, can you please, you know, somehow arrange our meeting. And then Subala said, okay, I'll try. So Subala goes to Radharani's village, her mother-in-law's place. And Radharani's mother-in-law was right at the doorstep, sitting after her lunch. And uh, then Subala, then uh, Jatilal sees the Subala, and she knows that, you know, this guy is friend of Krishna. Definitely is going to do some mischievous activity. So she <laughs> says, why are you here? What are you going to do here? Then he, he says that one of my calf is missing. So I'm looking for him all the places but couldn't find. So I just wanted to find your home also. Can you please, you know, uh, allow me to search my calf? Then somehow by Yogamaya's arrangement, Jatila says, okay, fine. You can go inside and, you know, look for your calf. 
so that's when subala enters the house and then uh, he goes to radharani's bedroom and tells radharani that you know this is what krishna wants radharani says i cannot go out i mean my mother in law is right there at the door stop door step and uh, i cannot go out like this then subala said okay i have an idea you can wear my clothes because subala and radharani complexion is very same they look looked very similar so you can wear my dress and subal's her brother right hmm subal's her brother right i Who's think so? i'm i'm not 100% sure radharani's brother she has a sister anga manjari but let me look at that go ahead keep okay. saying so that's how then radharani wears subala's dress and that's how she becomes gopa and subala wears radharani's dress so then radharani leaves uh, the house and jatila couldn't recognize that that's radharani who's leaving the house she thought it was subala yeah so that's how then radharani meets krishna at radhakund and then it becomes like you know a time of uh, worshiping lord sun because every day all the brajavasis they used to worship sun at in the afternoon and then you know jatila basically says you know to radharani that don't you want to go to worship the lord sun today that's every subal yeah and that's subal and then subala basically you know uh, says yes is mother in law <laughs> i am getting ready <clears throat> so subala that's how he goes out of the house and then again they exchange address and then radharani comes back so that's oh radharani's elder brother is shridam and her younger sister it says here um and her younger sister is anga manjari her older brother she has a friend yeah her brother is shridam that's why i got it mixed up subal and shridam cuz they're always together yeah so and that's how they meet and then they switch their clothes back and yeah. go back yeah wow radharani has so much love for krishna show <laughs> risk like that Okay, thank you very much. That's so sweet. Really appreciate it. I know there's one pastime where um Shivaram Maharaj writes in his books where um you know, on a similar occasion Radha and Krishna had met and they were in a particular like opening in the forest. And so Radharani's Manjaris were there like Vrindadevi, and so they are hiding in the bushes watching. And um there's some very close friends of krishna like subal shridam madhu mangala so sometimes they're also present so radha and krishna were together and <clears throat> jyotila came looking and she saw one of the manjaris looking through the bushes and then she walked up to her real quick and she said what are you looking at and he said is that krishna with radharani so the manjari she was she didn't expect that to happen so she was shocked at first and then but she lied to Jatil and she said no I'm just laughing and looking because Subal is I mean um Marum one of them I think it was uh I think it was Subal dressed up like a girl and he's playing like he's Radharani with Krishna or he's playing like a, you know a, a girl with Krishna and she said let me see so just that one moment gave them enough time and Radharani gave her veil to one of the boys like Subal or, or it was Marumangala 
And then Jotila comes storming down, you know, this, this pathway to where they are. And then when Subal turns around, right, he has the veil on, and it actually is a boy, and Jotila is just furious. She, she starts to call Krishna names, and she tells Krishna, you know, you've ruined every girl in this village of Vrindavan, but you're not going to get my daughter-in-law, Radharani, you know? And so Krishna looks at her, and he looks at all the boys, you know, and he, she, he says, why should we listen to you? You've got a face like a monkey. <laughs> so all the boys start laughing, you know. And um, Jotila just gets really angry and she storms away, you know, like that. And so Radharani was protected by this Manjari. So there's so many nice pastimes like that where Radha and Krishna together. Very sweet and beautiful pastime. So... Anyway, I'd like to just take a minute and thank the Pujaris for endeavoring so much to reenact this pastime for us on the altar today. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone has a great day. It's getting a little late, so I'm going to end here. All glorious to Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna.